Man, it's so good to see you today. It's, I don't know, it's probably everybody in their line of work, but I tell you, it seems like if weather's going to be cockeyed, it's going to happen on a Sunday, man. It's just, it's just that way. And, uh, I, I, you know, God knows what we need as far as weather goes, but man, if you're looking at an excuse not to come weather-wise, today would be it. And so you that are watching online, please enjoy your fire and uh, your pajamas for us. Man, it is good to see you today, today though. You know, uh, we, we've been in this facility, obviously, for many years. And we have, when we moved in, we got these built-in projection units and everything. And uh, projection units are great because, you know, you put those songs up there, you put announcements, you put speakers and, and singers up there. It's just really great. But uh, when we'd been in the building a while, and uh, one of the projection units, um, the, all of a sudden, the bulb, not one sudden, it, the bulb went out. And so that meant we needed to get up, refurbish it, put a new bulb in there, and this kind of stuff. So we get the lift and get up there and put a new bulb in. Well, Sunday rolls around, and uh, both units are cut on. And, man, the new bulb, it's like, bang! And the other one, it was like, whoa. You know, I mean, it did just changed. And it had, it had dimmed, and this one had dimmed, but we didn't know it until the new bulb was put in there, and, and it showed the other one how it had grown dim. And and it grew dim incredibly slow. I mean, to the point we didn't recognize it until the new light was put in there. And and I've just been thinking, you know, for you that know me, know that any time I enter into a series or I get up to speak with you, I'm just sharing with you my wrestling. And I just wonder... If the church in America and the church central, if our light is not going dim, and we've not known it, you know, it, it just was a gradual thing, and it just happened, and and that's why you need revivals and renewals because you all of a sudden here's the light that you should be, and you see the dimness. But here's here's my thinking, and as I look at our times, I. I do not see a lost world asking us who have the answer, what is the answer? And that means either we're not showing it to them, or our light has grown so dim, they don't even see and recognize their need. And I see this, and it concerns me. So, when I jump into something that we're calling all in, I really believe this. I, and, and hear me. Because I love you more than you'll ever know. But you gotta know that in our current culture that is becoming more and more and more and more secular, that a humanistic worldview comes into play, anti-Christian, or at least say at least post-Christian, turning to anti-Christian, I believe in days ahead, and I'm not a doom and gloom kind of person, but I believe in days ahead, that if you are not all in, you will be out. 
And I'm not saying out of heaven. What I'm saying is something will happen where you are going to walk away. Because it may get tough. And so we're looking at this all in. We're looking uh, at what takes place in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles or devices, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. And we, we're looking at this. And I, I'm glad Brett led us in that song, Jesus is the Center. Because we are, this is my goal starting into 2021 with this series. God put us back that you are the center of everything we're doing. And in Acts chapter 2, what has happened, just a quick overview for you that haven't been here. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus has lived, he died an excruciating death on a cross. He rose from the dead three days later. He ascended to heaven 40 days later. He told his disciples, I want you to go and pray. So we know they went and prayed for 10 days. And it says that there were 120 in this upper room. And as they pray, the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God himself, the Spirit of Jesus, comes and comes upon them in an, an empowering kind of way. It actually, the best way that Luke could describe it in Acts, it was like a, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it was like fire just came down upon each of them. And people are wondering what is going on. And uh, Peter said, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel the prophet in the Old Testament that God would come in, in the power in this way. And so he stands up and begins to preach. And he's speaking to these Jewish people who were in Jerusalem. And he speaks up and he says, I mean, he he's not out to win friends and influence people. He says, you killed Jesus. You put him on the cross. Now, the people would have probably been thinking the Romans did that. But they were crying out crucify him days before. And he went to the cross. They knew he was the sacrificial lamb. And that he went to the cross for their sin. Kick that into 2021. Listen, my sin put Jesus on the cross. So when Peter is up there saying, you crucified him. You put him on the cross. He may as well be talking to me. And it says that the Holy Spirit cut them in their heart. In other words, it was a deep conviction that came upon them. And this is what they say. Brothers, what must we do? I mean, we don't have a chance. Brothers, what must we do? And Peter says, repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized. In other words, repent, turn, uh, Put your faith and commitment into Jesus Christ and give an outward display of a heart change that has taken place. And that's why we baptize. Baptism will be next Sunday as well. So repent, turn, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and give it an outward display of that. And the, then what happened? Then what happened? How many people were there? I do not know. But 3,000 I know. 3,000 had an encounter with the living God that day and asked Jesus to forgive them and became followers of the Messiah, became followers of Jesus. 3,000. So now we come to what do you do with 3,000 new believers all of a sudden? And all of a sudden, the God of who sent his spirit 
transforms these people. And you may remember, well, let me, let me just read it. Uh, Acts chapter uh, uh, 2, verse 42 through 47. You're going to be uh, full of this verse by the time I finish this series. And it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, so 3,000 and still day by day people are are coming to Christ. And, and I talked to you last week about they devoted themselves. They were a committed people. What did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the commentary of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles, and to community. This happened automatically. So if a person comes to Christ, there are some things that God compels them to do automatically, which is to become committed to Christ, to know about Him, and to a body of a family of believers. That, that happens. Now, we're going to talk today about communion. Uh, the breaking of bread. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to address one other thing. The culture of the first century Jerusalem would have been like this. They were occupied by Rome. Rome occupied most of the uh, known world at that time. They occupied the uh, Jerusalem, all of the uh, Israel there. And they brought their secular, uh, humanistic, immoral lifestyle right to that heart of the world. And they, they did worship, but they worshiped Caesar, or they were pagan gods that they may worship. And they were highly secular, highly immoral. And the only true religion that the people saw was of people that were legalistic, and no power, and no grace. And so they were under this yoke of social injustice, this yoke of uh, divided where they lived. And I can just imagine that these people were discouraged, they were fearful, and they lacked hope, but they were looking towards a Messiah to come. Let me back up on that. They were They were fearful, discouraged, and they lacked hope. Does that not sound like today? I don't think, I I think every day I talk with someone, communicate with someone because of what's going on in our day, they're fearful, discouraged, and they're lacking hope. Listen, this is the kind of culture God birthed His church into and people were getting saved day by day. I want you to know, and Central, I want to encourage you that the darker our times get, these are proper times for God to bring about His revival. So, if you're walking in fear and discouragement and lacking hope today, I want you to know God is still in control and He can use these times for His glory. So, 
we need to grab this because you're working with people, going to school with people. You're with people that are very fearful right now, very uh, discouraged and lacking hope. And we should be the ones that give it to them. Now, we're going to talk about communion for a few moments. It says that they were committed, devoted to the breaking of bread. Um, we talked last week about fellowship, community. They were devoted to community. So the breaking of bread is different. It wasn't just dinner they were having together. This is referring to the Lord's Supper. And the definition of communion is this. The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So when we come together and they came together to break bread, they were remembering and they were having this intimate encounter that wasn't just them and God, but it was them and other people as they remembered what Jesus had done for them. And they did this regularly. We, we have it on a Sunday basis, but we, next week, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper communion together. And so I want you to grab how important this was to the early church. And it says the breaking of bread. Now we know, uh, and, and if you want to know more about the Lord's Supper, Jared did an excellent job a couple of months ago in talking about, uh, the Lord's Supper and how it refers to Passover. And Passover was the when the the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. I'm not going to talk all about it, but there was the Passover. The death angel would come and kill the firstborn unless they had the blood uh, put on the doorpost. And the death angel would pass over. So every year the Jews would celebrate Passover. And Jesus, when he did the Passover with his disciples that night before he was going to be killed, he basically ordained in saying that he was the fulfillment of the Passover, but it would be a new uh, thing that was going to be a new covenant that was take place. So as believers and followers of Jesus, we step into this as a new covenant that God has established through Jesus. Okay, so I want you to understand that part of it, but there is so much more. And I want to give you six things right quick that the breaking of bread is. Number one, it's a time to remember. It's a time to remember. It's a time to remember what Jesus did. It's a time to remember that he had his body ripped open, that he was, he was despised, he was lonely, he was rejected, he's on that cross, he takes the whole wrath of God so that even the skies grew dark, and he is hanging on that cross for you and for me. And where we struggle, where we struggle is, we do not think that we are a part of it. But we were a huge part of it because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus that whoever, and I'm part of that whoever. So it was my sin that he had to go across for. So when I remember, I'm remembering what he did for me. And he did it for you. He did it for all of mankind. And we remember what he did. The anguish, the agony that he went through. And we remember as we break bread 
together that he did that for us. And he is worthy of all worship, worthy of all praise. He is worth, worthy to follow. Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians 11 when he talks about we were to remember until when? Until he returns. It says in Hebrews 9.22 that under the law almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus came and shed his blood. The way I look at it is like uh, um, a little bit like this. I, I don't know how reckless you were as kids or have had surgeries and how many scars you have. I, I have quite a few from uh, just my childhood alone. I had stitches twice in my chin from stupid things I did as a kid. And uh, and it used to be, before I grew this, that as I would shave, I would nick that scar every now and then. And it would bleed like a son of a gun. I mean, it was it was bad. And uh, and so I have this scar here. And when I'd nick it, I would I would be reminded of what I did as a child. And when we come to break bread together at the Lord, Lord's Supper, I think it's like nicking a scar on our heart about, about how that Christ went to the cross for me and He nicks that and I, I, I He nicks that scar and it, it, it reminds me of what Jesus has done. So it's a time to remember. Second of all, it's a time to reflect. It's a time to reflect on our lives. Is Jesus truly the Lord of my life? Uh, as, I, as I believe what Scripture says, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Am I growing into the image of Jesus? When I look into the mirror of God's Word, do I see more of a reflection of Jesus or do I see a reflection of the world? Uh, Here's, here's what we do in our culture. You ready? If we want to look upon somebody, we try to find somebody that doesn't have it together quite as much as we do, and we think, whoa, I got it together. That's what we do in our culture. We try to find somebody that's a little bit harder on their luck than we happen to be, and we look at them and say, oh, man, I got it together. But when we come and remember the broken uh, body and the spilled blood of Jesus, and we look at the mirror of Scripture and we start looking on ourselves, we start seeing, God, I'm not quite there yet. And we make a fresh commitment to the Lord. We, we look in that. Another thing that we happen to do is, if you've ever been to a, uh, a carnival, midway kind of thing, and they have... a um, some funky mirrors or a house of mirrors or something like that. You, you look in one of those mirrors and the way they're, they're shaved, shaped, it distorts. You know, you got a big head or, or big, big belly or something when you look in there or you look super tall and thin and you're thinking, that's perfect. I, I want that. And, and uh, we look at that, but, but we get a distorted view. And I think sometimes we get such a distorted view that we need to come back and, and when we break bread and remember the cup, we get a clear picture. God, am I reflecting you? Am I showing you to others? Do I look more like Jesus today than I did last year? Am I more loving? Am I more caring? Is this the way I am? So it's a time of uh, reflecting. 
And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. What kind of reflection are you giving? When I was a, uh, when I was a younger boy, I used to get uh, comic books. And in those comic books, some of you that are around my age will remember, on the back of the comics, uh, towards the back of the comics, there would be silly stuff you could order and, and this kind of thing. And there was in there, there was a Charles Atlas kit, kit that you could do. That's Charles Atlas. And uh, Charles Atlas was a Mr. Universe bodybuilder kind of guy. And you could order this stuff, and you know, scrawny kids, you could order this stuff and do the isometrics and do all the things in there. But you would get a poster of Charles Atlas uh, with there, and you would be able to go and measure yourself up against uh, Charles Atlas. And uh, you would see how you're doing. Now, scrawny kids up against the Mr. Universe, it's not happening. But, uh, you know, what we do when we break bread, remember the cup, come together for the Lord's Supper communion, is we look in the mirror and we, we see, am I reflecting Jesus? Am I truly reflecting Jesus? And, and listen, we, got, oh, we all got a long way to go. To love like Christ, to give grace like Christ. You know, we've got a ways to go. But are you more today than you were? So it's a time of reflection. Time of remembering, a time of reflection. Thirdly, it's a time of repentance. It's a time to repent. Many of you saw uh, The Blind Side, the movie. It's, uh, if you didn't... Um, Sandra Bullock plays uh, Miss Tui in there, and she got an Academy Award for it. But uh, Blind Side is about uh, a young man by the name of Michael Orr who grew up in an impoverished situation. He was taken in by the Tui family. He went on to play football at the University of Mississippi, and he made it into the pros, has a Super Bowl ring, that kind of thing. But what happened is... is um, Michael Orr was very impoverished, uh, basically living on the streets, and the Tui family was an affluent white family, and he, uh, Michael Orr, uh, black boy. And one day, it's one of those misty, cold days that uh, the Tui family is in their car, and they're driving along, and they see Michael Orr coming, and he's walking down the pavement, and he's got all of his stuff in a sack, and he's looking for a place to spend the night. And and so Miss Tui asked her kids, who is that? Well, it's Big Mike, and uh, this is about Big Mike. And does he have any place to live? Don't know. And so all of a sudden, Miss Tui said two words that changed the course of the family and changed the course of Michael Orr. And she said this, turn around. Turn around. That changed everything for the Tui family and for Michael Orr. And that's what repentance is. It's a Greek word called metanoia. Meta uh, being uh, uh, to change. And noia mean mind. Change your minds. Change your direction. And that's what uh, those words turn around. And part of when we come to the broken bread and the uh, cup as we celebrate the Lord's Supper... It's to repent where, where we know we have stepped out of line, where we have veered. Lord, bring me back on course. Bring me back on course. God, I choose to come back on course. 
And usually, one of the struggles here is that we wait till we feel bad. Listen, repentance is not just remorse and feeling bad. Repentance, you take a plan of action. It's going to be different. And so some of us need to realize there's some things in our life that are inconsistent and, and, and we may have unconfessed sin, which is a blockage, uh, between us and the Lord. Psalm 51 is the Psalm. Many of you remember when King David had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba is that, uh, and then had her husband basically murdered is that he, got, he thought he got away with that. And it was a year of time before Nathan the prophet finally told a story about a little lamb and he said, King David, you're the man. And all of a sudden, King David's heart was cut. He thought he'd gotten away with something, but he had not. And in Psalm 51, is his cry for uh, God to forgive him. And it says this in, in 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He was so broken. God created me a clean heart, oh God. And part of coming is to keep short accounts of sin in our life so that, God, we cry out to you. God, I repent. I turn. So it's a time of remembering. It's a time of reflecting. It's a time of repenting. But it's a time of restoring. It's a time of restoration. It's a time when we get restored with the Father and we get restored with one another. Uh, Many times we have a false concept of God that God is out to squash us. He's killjoy uh, and all these kind of things. And we think that about... Let me tell you... God so loves you that he wants to restore you completely, wholly, your relationships. And so we come to the broken bread and the, and the cup and, and communion, and we think, God, are my relationships what they should be? Because, listen, if you have broken relationships on this level, it will affect your fellowship on this level. And so you want to have... Uh, you want to have those things in order. You want to know who you go and say, I'm sorry to. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. He said, he said uh, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you realize your brother has something against you, go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. In other words, it is so important, the earthly relationships you have, to keep them restored. And and you want to do that um, as you look at how God wants to restore you and restore relationships. Michelangelo, at the age of 25, believe it or not, carved one of his most iconic carvings. It was called the Pieta. And the Pieta is currently at the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Some of you may have seen it. And uh, in 1972, though... A guy by the name of, let me get his name, uh, he was a Hungarian guy by the name of Laszlo Toth, was waiting in line to see the Pieta, and while he was there, something deranged in him happened. He pulled out a hammer, and he took 12 chunks out of the Pieta. And uh, so the, the, the Basilica people got together, and they said, 
well, we've got to throw it away. It's worthless now. No, that's not what they said. They, they set in to take this priceless carving and bit by bit to bring it to complete restoration. I want you to know that God will do that with you. He, he's not in the throwaway business. He's not in that business. He is in the restoration business. So it's a time of restoring. Two more. It's a, it's a time to refocus. Time to refocus. Man, WMDs, weapons of mass distraction. That's what we get hit with all the time, to take our mind off of God, to, to get our focus on this world. And, and so often we are just distracted. And when we come to communion, it's a time to renew our vows, so to speak. You know, you get married and you, everybody comes and you give your vows in front of all these people. But when you've been married a while, there comes many times just to renew your vows to one another. And I think that's what the Lord's Supper is. It's a time to come and, God, I just renew my vow. I refocus on you. Uh, brought our Polaroid camera. Uh, we use this for uh, every year for Halloween outreach we did. It's kind of cool because we have people that show back up uh, every Halloween, and they've got seven years of pictures that we have taken for them, and uh, they put it on their fridge and all this kind of thing. But uh, this Polaroid camera, you know, Polaroids have changed through the years uh, uh, many different ways. And... Uh, Man, I think I'm out of pictures. Let me see. Let me see. Daniel family, get together right quick. Some, yeah, I need a wide-angle lens if I got all of you. I'm not saying that about their weight. I'm just saying that about the number of kids. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, y'all got that. I don't know if there's any more. Kimberly and George, since it's your birthday today. It's Kimberly's birthday today. Put your arm around her, George. Oh, okay, good. Now, uh, what's going to happen is I focused on the Daniel family... And their picture is going to be of them. I focused on George and Kimberly, and the picture is going to be of them. In other words, what you focus on, that's the image that will come forth. When we focus on the world, we start to look like the world. When we focus on Jesus, we start to look like Jesus. When we come to the Lord's table, it's a time to refocus. One last one. It's a time to rejoice. We don't rejoice very well. It's not even a word we use, right? We use the word joy every now and then. But the word rejoice, it's a time to to acknowledge that, man, I am broken and I need a Savior. And Jesus came and He loved me so much. He did what I couldn't do for myself. 
God sent Jesus and He has restored me. He's redeemed me. I'm completely forgiven. Even though I screw up on a daily basis, when He looks at me, He still sees the blood of His Son. I'm covered. His grace covers me. And I rejoice in that. But we don't do that. Why do we not rejoice more? It's because we don't know how broken we are. The more broken we know we are, the more we'll rejoice about what Jesus has done for us. Because we're always told, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's fine. You're the greatest thing ever. And yeah, okay, we can say that stuff. But I want you to know, we are all flawed from sin. And we're all broken. And God sent Jesus. And He sent Him for us. And when we respond to Him, we rejoice because we are completely Redeemed. Luciano Pavarotti, the great tenor singer. If you don't know who he is, go go look him up. Luciano Pavarotti's dad was a baker. And uh, Luciano was very close to his dad. And in fact, his dad gave him a heart for music. He, he really learned about music from his dad. And Luciano Pavarotti went off to school, and he studied uh, singing, and he studied how to teach music. And he came back to his dad, and he said, Dad, I've got to make a decision. I don't know if I'm supposed to teach or I'm supposed to sing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And his dad told him this, and Luciano Pavarotti always remembered it. He said, Son, you cannot sit between two seats. You cannot sit between two seats. You have to choose one. And Pavarotti chose to sing, and of course, he's incredible. But those words are penetrating. Because you see, I really believe as things get a little bit harder in our nation, you're going to have to pick a seat. You're either all in with Jesus or you're going to be out. Because times get hard, but you cannot live between two seats. So here's my deal. Next week, we're going to take, all of us, take the Lord's Supper together. And if you're at home watching online, you can come by this week and pick up your elements if you want. But you can get your own even. But we're going to take it together. And here's your assignment for this week. I want you to remember, I want you to reflect, I want you to repent of those things the Holy Spirit convicts you of, I want you to restore, look to restore broken relationships, look to restore those things in your life that are out of kilter, and and after you restore, I want you to refocus, God, I want to focus on you, I want to see you. And then I want you to rejoice. That's your homework. And then next week when we come together, I just see this intimacy and this exchanging that we will do. It will be incredible.